Hey, hey, welcome to the Sonship Life. Here we go. One more, one more God installment, one more utterance, one more stepping, stepping out, stepping out and trusting, trusting, trusting the Lord to really make things right in our understanding, trusting really the Lord to bring forth the right words to line up, to, to reshape our thoughts and to recompose and reconstruct our ideologies. And really that looks like a bringing down of strongholds, always a bringing down of strongholds of thoughts that are very traditional based thoughts that are very religiously based thoughts of um, accumulated messages that we have heard from brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so and pastor here and pastor there and preacher there and so-and-so. And, 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 and in the process of hearing all these messages, we have really disconnected from the reading of the Word of God. At times, not always, but at times. And so I believe Dominion Sonship is really, it's been birthed really by the Lord and in my heart, this passion for the Word of God, this passion for a thought that is right before God, this passion to be able to understand the Word of God in the trueness, in the, in the wholeness of the message that God indeed is for us, but this being for us is really a very narrow way of a walk on our end. And it's not a walk of pain and misery, of depression and dejection and, and, and all of it that sometimes religion tells us that we're supposed to do suffer it out for Jesus. No, but it is really a suffering of putting down an old man that is so rebellious so rebellious and so bent on wanting its own way, wanting its own way. And so I started this about four years ago and um, always amazed that every Sunday there is a title, always amazed every Sunday there's a message, knowing that God is faithful to us all to instruct us and that it's not haphazard what I do before him. It's not without a consequence what I do before God. And it's not without opposition, of course, what I do before God. But all of that put aside is that his word be heard. Is that without the hearing of the word of God, there is no Christian faith. Without the hearing of thus it is written, thus says the Lord, and it is written in the scriptures, there is no living hope. And when we come into the reality of God and we become born again and we, we recognize the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, we, we encounter the very love and acceptance, acceptance of a holy God. We encounter love and acceptance by, by this unseen power that we now know is real. God is real. And there is an awe in the beginning that is within our hearts towards this power of forgiveness that he has through the blood of Christ bestowed upon us. 
There is an art to live, to live life in honor of the blood of Christ, that it be not shed in vain where my life is concerned. And with the right kind of teaching, we'll, we'll be taken into the New Testament and we'll read the Apostle Paul writing that we are now are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so that adds another layer where we want to live a life that is consecrated to God. Not out of a fear that now we're going to go to hell if we miss it with God. But out of a reverence to honor the one who has so honored us with his blood. To honor the one that has paid the utmost price with his life. And therein lies the challenge of, of, of the Christian walk. What does that look like? Well, it is definitely not the traditions of man. It is definitely not the wrong fear of God. It is definitely not what religion tells us what we're supposed to do to please God. But it is a heart that knows that I'm no longer my own. I don't belong to myself. And the right that I've been given by my father through the acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ in my heart is to be a child of God. That is my right to be a child of God. And through this sonship that I have now in Christ, I have liberty to be truly who God made me to be, free. Because his truth has set me free. And in this freedom of God is divine purpose and divine accountability. In this freedom of God is divine assignment. That this assignment has been placed within us before the foundations of the world that he foreknew us is beginning to move our life and to bring forth a transformation and a desire to conform to be conformed to the image of the one that shed his blood and broke his body for you and I. The image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so then as we read Paul again in Romans 12, we realize that transformation only comes through the renewing of the mind. Not wishful thinking. Not I hope one day. But a diligence to be found in the word of God. So that my mind be conformed to the very thoughts of God. You see, we can't bear the mind of God as we walk according to the word of God. We actually do bear the mind of God. Paul tells us that we now do have the mind of Christ, which is the mind of the word, which is the mind of the anointed one, the mind of the one that said it is finished. To cease from this external laborious activity to please God by what I do. And not really knowing, checking, are they doing more than I'm doing? Oh, they're doing a lot less, so I'm doing really good. But to come back to this inward stability, to this inward desire that I live life before God. And if no one sees anything that I ever do for God. God knows all. And my reward comes from heaven. 
It is an upward heart towards God that bring forth, brings forth a posture of reverence to my life. And from this posture of reverence, as my mind, my will, my thoughts are submitted to the word of God, it produces action. It produces the, the works of faith. It produces life eternal here on earth for someone else to glean from the way that I'm walking before God and not before man. As Paul had to do it. As he spoke to King Agrippa, that he wants to be found to the heavenly vision. As Peter did it, when he says, you tell me, is it better to obey the words of man or to obey the words of God? Jesus did it. He said, when you see me, you see the Father. For that which he sees the Father do, he does. And that which Jesus heard the Father say, he spoke. The true image of the invisible God is found in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Word made flesh. Might sound the same. Every message maybe sounds the same. <laughs> But yeah, but when we bow the knee in submission to the word of God, it becomes a thrill to hear it. That there is a way out of misery. There is a way to walk without disappointment and with no shame. And that is the walk of the word of God. So when we know this is our way of escape, we want to hear the message. We want to hear the message. There's no disappointment in the word of God. Last week we spoke about never disappointed. We looked at Hebrews 11.1. 1. Let's go to Hebrews 11.1 1, and then we'll continue today. We will talk about hope in God does not disappoint. It's pretty much the same. I'll continue. I felt I went very fast last week. I just wanted to do the wholeness of the structure that God gave me and then trusting that he's going to build the days coming up. And so today we'll continue in Hebrews 11. Where is Hebrews? Let's find Hebrews in my Bible. Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance. And we looked at that word substance Assurance, hypostasis, I believe the word was in, in Greek. The title deed, assurance of things hoped for. That word hopeful was from the word elpis, hope. And that is an assured expectation of waiting for God to come through on the basis of what he's spoken to us in the word of God. Things hope for the evidence that is proof, the evidence of things not seen. For by, by faith through this substance of things hoped for. This expectation of knowing if God has said it, that it will be exactly so. If God has said it that he is for me, then it is exactly so. If God says in Christ, I'm more than a conqueror, then it is exactly so. And I'm going to make it through this moment as a more than a conqueror. 
and the evidence of things not seen through this, through this divine assurance of faith, through this proof that is in our heart that the word of God only can produce. Only the word of God can produce this unmoving, unflinching assurance that it looks like sheer stubbornness at times. It looks like intense patience as well. To not budge from this persuasion that the word has communicated to me. And that right there is the true fight of faith. Where I refuse to be moved by anything outside that is telling me the word is not working. That is giving me a false proof of what I can see. What you can see is not the basis of the foundation of faith that you have in Christ. But it's an assurance of what is not seen, the living proof that you now have, because he has said so. Now, what does that look like? That looks like being led by an internal conviction. Being led by an internal persuasion called faith. Being led by a power that is the Holy Spirit. Being led in a walk that is a walk of that is so above the natural moment that the natural moment cannot touch you and make you flinch. So much flinching we've done in the last little while. Yet Christ never budged. He knew the hour he was called for. He knew the assignment on his life as did Paul, as did Apostle Peter, Peter, John. We read, we read these, these stories of the disciples. We read the living truth of how they walk before God. And we tend to separate them as being separate from us and that they could do it, but we really cannot do it. We really can't do it because the opposition is greater now. Oh, really? Opposition is greater now? Really? Paul being bitten with rods by his fellow man, the Jewish, the ones that he wanted to lay down his life for them. Paul shipwrecked, jailed. Paul. Peter, highly persecuted. And yet, they walked the walk of the way. The walk of the way. Because they had seen their Messiah. The one that God sent to rescue the world from sin. Walk that way. How do you see Jesus walk before you? The only way is by reading the word of God. By reading the word of God. And we all want to close our little eyes and go little trances. How about we open and go back to the gospels? Or the epistles of Paul? Paul to Timothy. The persecution he faced, Timothy faced in Ephesus as a pastor. The paganness of the hour they lived in. 
the devotion to demons and demonic structures that that, that particular generation had an adherence to. To be so incited to even kill for their gods. Here we are as Christians in today's world, feeling we need to hide. We don't know what persecution is. And these heroes of faith in chapter 11 all knew persecution. They all knew persecution. How about the very first one? Cain and Abel. In chapter, sorry, in, in chapter 11, Hebrews verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Right off the bat, persecution from Cain to murder his brother out of jealousy. That God was well pleased with that excellent sacrifice that Abel offered before God. Moved him with a murderous spirit. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. The life we live in, that which we offer of our life to God, brings forth a communication back from God. He is well pleased with us. But you see, we now live as living sacrifices before God. When I talk about never disappointed, as I did last week, and I, I, I was like rapid fire. It's in the context of being a living sacrifice. It's in the context of being a doer of the word of God. It's in the context of Christian faith, not Christian ideology of what we think is right, what we don't think. Well, we know in my camp, this is what we believe. What do they believe in your camp about baptism? What do they believe in your camp about praying in tongues? Oh, really? We don't believe in praying in tongues. Well, the Bible is very clear on all of it. How about we go back and read the Bible? With a desire to hear the voice of God in the Bible. Not the doctrines that we've been preconditioned to know. And read the word through the lenses of religion. To validate an argument against a brother or sister in the Lord. Never disappointed is from this place of meekness before God. Never disappointed is, is a life that is so given over to the word of God. That the word of God is now communicating a whole new reality. Where the word of God is speaking to us. You are a Christian. You are born from above. And it's amazing since Dominion Sonship started, he has put the word Christian in my, in my heart and in my mouth so strong. We are Christians. They first knew them as Christians in Antioch, the Bible says. We are Christians. We are of Christ. Not of the doctrine of man. And you could put all your little labels in. And we thank God for labels because they were grooming moments for us. To place us in the word of God. Not to divide us. 
becomes more narrow and narrow when you realize you don't have a conversation with even at times the brothers and the sisters in Christ because they're so set on preserving their doctrines. They're so set on just keeping up the appearance. I just, I'm still in John, reading through John in my private time, and there it says that many of the leaders of the Jews believed in Jesus, but for the fear of being put out of their synagogues, they would not acknowledge Jesus publicly, confess their faith publicly for fear of these leaders that would persecute them and put them out of the synagogues. And I thought, well, you know, nothing really has changed much. Pressures on the external to silence us, to muzzle us. They will be rejected if we stand for Christ. They will be kicked out of our own little circles, whatever they might be, friendships or religious circles. Family circles. And yet, in our little private moments with someone else in that little camp, you know, Christian camp, we're like, you know, we really believe. We really believe. Yeah, we believe. We believe what he has said. The way to be a light in this world. The way to live now through faith that is the substance of things hoped for. Evidence of things not seen. And as we believe the evidence of things not seen, which is the word of God. We are obtaining a good report with our living God because if we go further down in verse 6, we all know it. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. You want to please God? How about you believe his word? How about you allow the word to talk to you to the point of moving you and you then become an action of the word of God? A doer of the word. Rather than just a mere hearer. But you see, that takes a diligence of sitting in the word, reading. Even if it's just the one verse he's put on your heart to read, to meditate. We meditate so many things. The challenges of the moment, family matters, we meditate. Political news, we meditate. We mull over what someone says and arguments we had. How about we mull over the word of God? How about we mull over the love of God that he has already accepted me through the blood of Christ, never to be rejected? Glory be to God. Verse 6 in Hebrews 11, but without faith it is impossible, not possible, cannot do, cannot do. Impossible to please him, for he who comes, that word is to approach him. For he who comes to God must believe, that is from the word faith, must believe. That he is, that God is, that God is real. And that he is a rewarder of those things, of, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How do we seek God? Well, we know in, in, in Matthew 6, we have, we have the words of Jesus to, to tell us, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat. What you're going to drink because the pagans, they run after those things. But you have a heavenly father who knows all you need. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the way he does things. And all these other things, all these other things that you so want to seek on earth, they'll be added to you. That's part of the reward of God. And I'm seeing it more and more in my life, the very reward of God. The bountiful mercy on my life because I have over the years shown mercy to someone else. Supply being brought to me because I have shared of the supply he has given to us as a family, to another. We have as a family given. But the ultimate reward that he's referring to here is to know I please him because I believe that he is who he says he is in the word of God. And right after that, we have the example of Noah. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, not yet seen, not yet seen, seen. That sounds like faith. Warned of things not yet seen. Sounds like faith. Things not seen. Moved with godly fear. Prepared an ark for the saving of his household. For the saving of his household. I meditate this often. Because that which I do in compliance to his instruction is protecting my whole household. See, it always comes back to my life before God. Always comes back to my life before God. And I, you know, I think of Paul and John here. Uh, no, Peter and John. Peter saying to Jesus, how about this one next to me, John? How is he going to die? And Jesus says, never mind about him. Never mind about him. None of your business. See, we are accountable for that which is given to us, which is the word that we have read. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. You know, we want to preach the message of salvation, and we are called to preach the message of salvation. But there's no higher way of preaching the message of salvation than being obedient and being doers of the Word of God. Obedient to the Word of God is to be a doer of the Word of God. And as you walk out the commandments of God, the instructions, the Word of God, you are through faith in that which he said, bring an annulling to everything on the outside. 
Did we see Noah do that? Yes. Was he moved by all the torment and all the mocking of his peers by the thousands? They laughed at him. They mocked him. They persecuted him. He silenced that. How did he silence? Not only silence, but the word says he condemned the world. How? Because he obeyed that divine instruction. He had no evidence. No one has ever heard of rain coming down and flooding the earth. What kind of, what kind of a heart inclined to God is that? There is a heart of faith. That has been really my life, my life's momentum. To have a heart before God like Noah. Or Abel. Daniel. Joseph. Joseph, the riches of where he was placed in that household of Potiphar did not move him nor have him. He lived right before God with a heart purely devoted to his God. And yet he was sold by his own brethren into slavery. And malice couldn't touch his heart. Bitterness couldn't touch his heart. Revenge couldn't touch his heart. Lust couldn't touch his heart. Wrongful persecution couldn't touch his heart. No wrong judgment against him could touch his heart. He was thrown in prison being accused of having an adultery with a woman that wanted him and he who had nothing to do with it. He ran out of house. Heart of faith is a heart that's fully devoted to God. And that is a work in progress. So I'm not saying this to beat ourselves down. But this is, this is what transformation does. It molds my heart into the very heart of devotion that Jesus has towards the Father. Which is really the heart of the word of God. The word of God has a rhythm. The rhythm of the spirit is fully submitted to the will of God. Submitted to the will of God is this rhythm of life that only the word of God produces. That the Holy Spirit does through a vessel Fully compliant, having a desire to be a living sacrifice for God. Mm -mm -mm. What about Abraham leaving the entire household? Based on the word of God. We went, he went in verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out 
to the place which he would receive as inheritance. He did not know where he was going. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. Always knowing it felt foreign. And yet God had called him to this life of obedience. Life of submission to what, what God has spoken to him. Come out from among them. So he became the example of living faith to us. Romans 4 tells us that. These are giants, the very heroes of God, that God himself has penned their names in the Bible. They had to overcome. We now through our new birth have already overcome. But what we do now, what we do now is we live a life that is constantly being mindful. It's no longer I. This overcoming that has been done and finished, it's in my spirit, man. Faith has overcome the world. Faith has overcome the world. Not my carnal ambition. Or my strong desires to please God. But it's faith in God. A desire to be compliant to the word of God. <laughs> yeah. Hope in God does not disappoint. I'm reading these names. Did they suffer disappointment? Did they suffer disappointment? No. Because back to verse 2, it says, For by it, through faith, by faith, these elders obtained a good testimony. Obtained a good testimony. What about verse 13? You can say, well, they died in disappointment. No, they did not die. They died in faith. Look at verse 13. These all died in faith. Faith being what? An expectation, an assurance, a living hope that does not disappoint. Proof of Evidence of things not seen. They died that way. Look, look at what he continues to say here. They all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off. The eyes of faith see it afar off and do not budge from seeing it. See, the eyes of faith only see the promise of God. Having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Having seen them afar off, were assured of them, assurance of things, Hope for, they were assured of them and confessed 
that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. It's like saying, I don't care what the natural moment is. I'm a pilgrim. I'm passing through it, but I have one sight, and it is the sight of the Word of God. And no matter what shakes or doesn't budge or doesn't shake, I know it's already shook up, and it's lined up where God's concerned. And I'll never be disappointed. I mean, look at Abraham. What happened with Abraham in Romans? If we go to Romans 4. We read some of these verses last week. <laughs> Verse Romans 4.19. Abraham, not being weak in faith, not being weak in faith, means you can't be weak in faith. I'll tell you how you're weak in faith. You partake of the world some. You don't, you don't reckon yourself a pilgrim. Just passing through. A sojourner, Peter writes. They were sojourners. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. He didn't consider his, his own little body. Already dead. Since he was almost a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He refused to look at the natural. And that's concerning his very own body. There's nothing louder that speaks against God like an ache and a pain in your body. Like age. Put up, we put up with too much. Well, we do. Well, you know, I'm so and so, so, you know, given that I'm so and so years old, then it comes with a territory, little ache and pain. Oh, whoa. Well, we have an example of Abraham who did not consider his own body, nor the deadness of the one that he slept with. That for years they wanted to have a baby because God had promised to them a descendant seed. All these years of disappointment did not budge him and did not sway him from seeing that assurance that he knew was his. Oh my, oh my. The life of faith is the most intriguing, the most powerful thing you ever live on earth. And there's never, ever disappointment. Isaac did come. The son of promise came. And really through that son of promise, we're seeing Christ, the ultimate promise, the seed of Abraham, whose partakers of his body we are now. He did not, verse 20, waver at the promise of God. With all this natural commotion going and screaming. We read these verses. Let the verses mark our perception. Did not waver the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened. How was he strengthened in faith? By believing what God has spoken to him. And not believing what he felt. And what he saw. And what he heard others say about him. There he goes fatherless. Calling himself Abraham. Father of many nations. Do you think he did, they did not mock him? They mocked him. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Father of many nations. And yet he went childless. 
What's your name? Brother Abraham. Oh, how many kids do you have? None at this moment. But I have a promise of God. The deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. When you have strengthened your faith, you give glory to God, knowing that word that he's given to me is working for me. Being fully convinced that, that what he had promised he was able to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him, to Abraham for righteousness. To believe God. To believe God against all odds. So we can go to chapter 5 now. And we understand in verse 3, That as we go through these tribulations, as Abraham did, as Noah did, there's glory in it for us. Why? Because all I see is God. Why? Because all I know is the promise of the word of God. Why? Because it's grooming me with perseverance, to outlast the lie, to outlast the devourer, to outlast the devil, steadfast in the faith to resist him. Knowing that tribulations produces perseverance, verse 4, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope, that word is elpis. We look at it. Now, hope does not disappoint. Hope in God. Hope that has gone through this moment of transformation. Hope where you've exhausted every natural potential as Abraham did with his, with the maid of Sarah Hagar. Exhausted it all. And none of it was of God. When you finally forsake your own little way, and you come back to the foundation of the word of God. Say, God, no longer my way. Lord, only your way, the way of the word. Let the word perfect every part of my life. Let the word bring forth a transformation. Let the word bring forth a crucifixion to every thought that is not of you, Lord. Let me, Lord, cooperate with the working of the word to bring down every stronghold that is exalting itself against the knowledge of the word of God. With a yes, no, 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 not this time. Yeah, but it didn't work for brother so so maybe not for me it's not gonna work out to bring it down if God has said it will be so if Isaac came to be the promise will come to be for me because I'm now walking in that faith perfected of the faith of Christ the faith that now lives in me his faith that has accomplished all that spoke, it is finished. So now I've entered into this trust, this rest of faith, to just believe and rejoice, giving God the glory for my life. 
Now, verse 5, now hope does not disappoint, does not put us to shame. That word disappoint even reads. Hope does not disappoint because, because what? The love of God goes back to the very love of God. For God so loved the world. You don't need another revelation of the love of God, by the way. All you're going to do is believe John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he sent his son to die for us. So I'll not be condemned, but I'll be accepted in him, in his life. I remember being in prayer many years ago, many years ago. Sitting prayer in my home and we're just talking with the ladies that were in that room and talking about the love of God. And so it, I, it, it moved the prayer moment that way. And so I said, Lord, show us your love. Show us your love over this city where we're living. Oh, the Lord so quickly answered. Says, you know my love. Look at the cross. That was the end of that prayer, and I've never, ever prayed. I really was praying for the benefit of the ladies that were really struggling with the revelation of the love of God. When I got born again, I saw the cross of Christ that he died on. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt he died for me because of his love. I knew. And there all the challenge came in. The life of faith. To only believe that which he says to me. Revelation of the love of God is to be a doer of the word of God. A life fully submitted to this love that he has demonstrated on the cross. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. When we believers of the word of God, we don't struggle with the love of God. Because these verses silence the carnal understanding. The carnal understanding of feeling rejected. Failing God. All of that is to be brought down. Romans 5, 5. Now I know life on earth is full of tribulation. And I know the devil comes early on in our lives to bring an, uh, a total destruction. Whether through family members, broken families, messed up situations. I'm not denying that the reality of life on earth can suck and always does outside of Christ. There is a devil that roams about this earth. He is the Lord over this whole system. It is made to oppress all of us. The kingdom of Satan it's called. But I go back to Colossians 2 that tells me I am already taken out of that. I'm in a brand new kingdom. And so now this mind renewal, this fight of faith is to believe what the word says, not how, how I felt the pain back when. And maybe you say it's easy for you to say, Desi. Really? We all go through life on earth facing these challenges. These painful moments. 
But we have to come to where Abraham came to. That he did not consider his own body, though as good as dead. Not the deadness of the womb of his wife. But what? Believed in God. Believed in God. That God so loved him. That gave him the promise of a son. Did God fulfill that? Did God fulfill the promise of the son? Yes, he did. Yes, he did, not just for Father Abraham, but ultimately for you and I. The promise of the Son, the Messiah. Never to be disappointed in that fulfillment of a promise. There's no disappointment. Because all we see is the love of God for every moment of our life. To have made it this far, it is a miracle and a testimony of the power of the faithfulness of the love of God. And from here onward, it's going to be the same way, by faith. Not a circumstance that lines up just perfect, but faith on the word of God has already lined up my life perfectly. That, that verse 5.5, 5, Romans 5.5 5 in the Strong's reads, And hope does not disappoint us. That word disappoint is actually to shame down. The hope in God doesn't shame us. That means to disgrace, to put to the blush. Shame, make us blush, embarrassed. Hope in God does not do that, does not disappoint. Because why? God has poured out, liberally can I say, that word also means to bestow, to pour forth. Has poured out his love. That is the word agape. We know that's the love of God. <laughs> Into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us, who lives in us now. We read last week, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse, and also chapter 2, about him being the guarantee, the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed with the guarantee of the Spirit. Faith in God does not disappoint. And so I'll go to, I'll finish with Mark again, and um, I'll finish with back to that verse in Mark that we looked at. Mark 9.23. The father bringing his son, the, a demon would throw in the fire to kill him, to kill the son. Convulsed him, foaming at the mouth. And so the, the father brought the son to the disciples and they couldn't do anything. They couldn't, they couldn't cast that spirit out. And so the father goes to Jesus and asks him, have mercy on this boy of mine. If he can do anything, please do so. And Jesus, in response to that, in verse 23, he says, Jesus says to him, if you can believe, if you can believe, that comes from the root word faith, have this assurance, have this proof of reality, 
of what the word of God has spoken to you. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to him who believes. Now we read in the Strong's Concordance that part, that verse, and it, it starts off with a question. Jesus to the Father says, if you can? The Father says, if you can believe. Oh, sorry, the Father says, if you can do something. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And in response to that, Jesus said, if you can, meaning you're saying, if I can, and look how he turns it. Look at the word can. that comes from the word dunamis. that has ability, ability, miracle working power. If you can, also refer, I'm powerful. I have power. I'm able. If you can, echo Jesus. And he says, and all things are possible using the same word towards us that believe. All things are possible to him who believes. And again, back to that word possible from the same root word, dunamis. It is a person that is strong, a person that is mighty, a person that's powerful. Everyone wants to be mighty and powerful. What makes us in Christ mighty and powerful is faith in God. Faith in the Word of God. Faith in the Word of God. Faith in the Word of God. How does that happen? Through the hearing of the Word of God. Not someone's interpretation. That word, dunamis, I'm going to read because, you know, he, he refers to that of himself, but also he turns it on us to the ones that believe. And that's the 1411 Greek word dunamis. And it comes from dunamai, which is able, having ability, properly ability to perform. Ability to perform, he's saying, what do you mean if I can perform? You can perform based on what you believe. Ability to perform. To the believer, it is power to achieve by applying the Lord's inherent ability. It is power to achieve by applying the Lord's inherent ability. Faith is the inherent ability. Faith in the word of God. The word of God is God's ability. What did we see in Genesis 1? Why would I say these things? Because we see it in Genesis 1. 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. But nothing was happening until the word of God was spoken and proclaimed and confessed over that darkness. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So by surveying darkness, by having the goosebumps of the presence of the Spirit, nothing changes, can I say, outside of the Word of God functioning in your life.
that word dunamis. I have to, I, I gotta read all the little subtitles to what this word is inferring. Because Jesus is saying, if you can believe, all things are possible to you. If you can believe the word of God, like Father Abraham did, like Noah did. It is, um, the Greek lexicon, the Thayer's Greek lexicon breaks it down. This word is strength, ability, power. And there are sub points to this to clarify exactly what strength, ability, and power are. The first point, it's inherent power. Power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature or which a person or thing exerts and puts forth. So what is residing within us according to this, to this new nature of Christ in us? We, we saw the love of God resides in us, poured out by the Holy Spirit. The next point is, it, it's extensive study on this word here. Power of performing miracles. We have power in Christ to perform miracles. See, blind eyes opened. Deaf ears opened. Lives restored. Another sub-point to this word power to those that believe. Moral power and excellence of soul. Oh, that's godly character. Another sub-point, the power and influence which belongs to riches. Yeah, yeah. An abundant life. Access. Access into things. And what only riches on earth can bring. But we have power that gives us access into everything. Power of God. Don't you ever see yourself as a broke little thing, having nothing. You have the Holy Spirit power, dunamis, that gives you access and influence far above what natural moments can do for you. Hmm. Power consisting or consisting in or resting upon armies, forces, hosts. That's like military power. Oh, it just keeps on going. Uh, one is authority, strength, might. And you can look all that up. It's right in the concordance, in the Strong's concordance. And so I think that's, I'm going to wrap it up here. But going back to Mark 9, 23, we can ponder and meditate. Some of the um, translations here of this verse, for example, the NIV is, if you can, ask Jesus back to the Father, if you can, said Jesus, Everything is possible for one who believes. The new living, what do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. <laughs> it's quite simple. But to walk it out looks like Noah's walk. To walk it out looks like Abraham's walk. To walk it out looks like Daniel's walk. To walk it out looks like Joseph's walk. It's not an easy
disease of carnality. It's a crucifixion to carnality. But it's a disease of the spirit. Dunamis. Glory be to God. We're done for the day. Amen.